message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Always good to see hometown. Good to see everybody. And the fair's going on, huh? Oh, when I think of the Kern County Fair, I think of baked potatoes. I think of corn on the cob. I think of a big old greasy corn dog. Oh, man. Might have to make a trip out there. Uh, hello to you online as well. Welcome in. Uh, we just got back uh, last month from visiting my son and his family in uh, Mississippi. And uh, my youngest grandchild, Jordan, we call her JoJo, uh, I taught her how to play the card game War. If you know how to play War, right? Where you. You both get a stack of cards, and you deal, and then if you get a match, like say two fives, right, then you, you put three cards down, uh, face down, and then you turn one over, right, and then the, the highest number wins the whole pot, and then whoever has the most cards at the end wins, right, that's, that's war, and so we started playing, and she was loving it <clears throat> until we had three wars, and I won all three wars, and she said, I'm not having any more of this, so on the fourth one, all of a sudden, you know, she said, put your card over, Papa. And so I turned my card over first, and she proceeded to take her cards and just kind of go through them. And then she pulled a card out that was bigger than my card. And I won and bring it in. And I said, Joe, that's cheating. No, it's not. I said, that's cheating. I said, you little cheater. And, and so she said, I'm not going to lose another war. And she didn't. Well, history has shown that there are evil, power-hungry people and nations that will cheat torture, and just about anything else to control the lives of other people. In fact, I did a quick Google search. There are actually, right now, in the world, 32 active wars taking place. Christians, we're not at war with guns and grenades and everything, but we still have people that are seeking to oppress and torture and keep us into bondage. These oppressors have names like addiction, anxiety, worry, depression, suicide, anger, and the list goes on. And here's the crazy thing for some. For some people, these torturers, these oppressors, they have been actually just, we've willingly given ourselves over to them. We've walked into these things. We've just said, I'm just going to live a certain way and just give myself over to these things that bring me into bondage. The Apostle Paul talked about self-imposed bondage in that famous passage in Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? How many of you can relate to that? Oh my gosh. I remember as a young Christian saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good today. I'm going to do good. I'm not going to you know, be mean to my wife and I'm not going to do drugs again and I'm not going to do whatever. And man, by 10 o'clock at the day, I said, well, this day's shot and I'll try again tomorrow. Why do I do the things I don't want to do, Paul says. Then he says, the very good that I wish, that I plan on doing, I never can do. And he goes on, he says, I'm a miserable man. Who will set me free? And, of course, he answers his own question when he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who set me free. 
How many of you are free? How many of you have been set free from a controlling habit or sin or thought? Stand up. Give glory to God. Testify today. Stand up. Stand up and testify to the goodness of the Lord. You've been set free from something. Turn around, look. You that are caught up into something, you that are still in the look around. There's hope for you. All these people have been set free. You can sit down and thank you. It can happen. But many, unfortunately, they remain in the clutches of something or someone because of the perceived restrictions they think Christianity will bring upon them. Oh, I don't want to give my life for the Lord. Yes, I got a controlling habit. Yes, I'm caught up into something. Yes, I'm I'm not really happy, but man, it it beats having to, you know, follow God and what He's gonna ask me to do and give up all the stuff that I want to do. And I, I just don't want to lose my freedom. So what I'll do is, you know what, I'll take a little bit of God and this, and I'm gonna live my truth. Have you heard that saying? This is my truth. I'm just living out my truth. Well, let me just let those people know that say that. Just because you say it's your truth doesn't mean it's actually true. You'd be more accurate to say this is your belief. You can believe something, but that don't make it true all the time. For instance, let's say that I say to you, my truth is I can fly. I can fly. And all of a sudden, I'm going to fly, okay? I can defy gravity. Gravity is not real. You know what? My truth is I can fly and I can defy gravity. So I go to New York City and I get on top of the Empire State Building. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to jump. And I jump. And guess what? I found out I, I, my truth was actually just a belief. I can't fly. I go to the bottom. Truth is not always, or belief is not always truth. The book of 2 Timothy says that these people who claim to be free, who don't want the Lord's restrictions, are actually held captive by the devil to do his will. That's what it says there. I'm free. No, you aren't. You're bound by your flesh, and you're bound by the demonic influence of this world. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. You are bound, and you have no choice but to do his will. I'm my own free person. No, you aren't. You're doing what he wants you to do. You just don't realize it. He's playing you. Jesus spoke so often during his time here on earth, his three years of ministry particularly, when he said, I want you to be free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's the heritage of the children of God is freedom. He wants you to be free. Paul expressed the same thought in Galatians 5 when he said it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Well, what does it mean to be free? What am I talking about here today? Does it mean that we can do anything we want to satisfy our cravings and our desires? Hey, man, I'm free. If I feel like smacking someone, I'm going to smack someone. If I feel like sleeping around with anybody, I'm going to just do I'm free. No. Paul said again in Galatians 5, he says, You are called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. It's not just a free-for-all so you can just send your brains out. Freedom in Christ means that there is nothing holding you back from giving yourself totally over to God and his purposes. You, you are just free to serve God without anything trying to grab hold of you or to try to trip you up or try to pull you back from being all that you want to be for God. That's what true freedom 
is. Let me see if I can illustrate it. <clears throat> I like to hunt. I like to particularly go pheasant hunting. Uh, I, I go to South Dakota now to do it, but I also go to Kansas. Kansas, being drier than South Dakota, has these nasty stickers, these little round things that just love to grab onto flannel, love to grab onto denim. And so I would hunt in blue jeans and, and flannel shirts, and, man, I'd walk through a, a patch of, of uh, land and come back, and I'm covered in these little things. And you can't get them off you. You can't get them off you. They get in your hands. They break off and get little stickers. And so then I was going through one of my hunting magazines and saw these pants. In fact, I think we got a picture of them. I saw these pants, and these pants, they're basically canvas at the bottom. They repel those stickers. Those stickers cannot get in to the bottom of those pants. <clears throat> those pants allow me to walk through without something trying to grab hold of me. Get the picture? That's how you want to walk through life free, where nothing can grab hold of you. That's, that's freedom. That's how you live free. I want to give you today three must-dos if you are caught up into something and you want to be free, but I'm also going to talk to you a little bit about how to stay free. See, you can get free, but, but staying free is the key. My first two years of being a Christian, I, was, I got caught up five times. I would get free, get caught up, get free, get caught up, get free, get caught up, because I didn't do certain things. I'm going to use today the story of the Hebrews in Egyptian bondage there in, in Egypt before Moses came. Here's the backdrop. You probably know it. Joseph, uh, sold by his brothers into slavery, ends up in Egypt after interpreting the Pharaoh's dream. And Joseph brings his family up, Jacob and his brothers and kids, up to Egypt. And they stay in Egypt 430 years. Well, during that time, uh, boy, they were very uh, prosperous. They, they uh, grew numerically, and the subsequent pharaohs, after the initial pharaoh, who was very friendly toward Joseph, began to get nervous, and, man, these Hebrews, they're like rabbits. I mean, they just produce, produce, produce. They're out, their population's outgrowing ours. And what if one day they decide that, hey, you know what? We're going to be your rulers. He said, we're going to have to squash him down. So this one pharaoh said, I'm going to force him into labor now. I'm going to keep him down before they can rise up. And he, he caused them to begin to build, make, make bricks and build. And, and they were forced into horrible, horrible conditions. And the people began to cry out, oh, God, we've heard of you, Lord. Oh, the God of Jacob, our father, we've heard of you. Please help us. Please help us. And then, of course, Moses got a tap on the shoulder. And, and, and we pick up the story uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, we see some of it. The Lord said to Moses, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, uh, the Hivite and the Jebusite. Here's the first must do if you want to be free. We must call out to the Lord. We must call out to the Lord. These people got to the point where saying, hey, you know what? I am just desperate. I don't even know who God is. I've heard of him. I don't know him personally, but there's got to be someone up there. There's got to be someone who can help. I need help. Oh, God, come and help me. We're coming up on the 
anniversary of the DeMar Hamlin incident. If you're a football fan, uh, you might remember, I think it was a Monday night game, Sunday night game, possibly Sunday night, I believe, uh, where the Buffalo Bills defensive back made a tackle and fell over. And all of a sudden you knew something wasn't right because people were, the other players were kneeling and crying and people, medical personnel in their field. Well, lo and behold, he went into cardiac arrest. He hit his heart, just a weird angle of his heart, and, and he basically died two or three times. They, they were doing CPR. They hit him with the uh, AED couple two or three times, <clears throat> brought him back to life. Great story. He, he recovered and, and is in the NFL today. Uh, but do you remember the outpouring of prayer that went out. I mean, all the NFL stadiums the next week, pray for DeMar, pray for DeMar. Sports Center, one of the uh, uh, newscasters on there said, hey, I know this may not be the right thing to do, but I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And the, guy, the other guy said, his cohort said, yeah, it, go ahead. <clears throat> Prayed right on a ESPN Sports Center broadcast. And prayer all of a sudden became in vogue. It was all of a sudden cool to pray. It was okay to pray. Now, what that showed me is that even within a nation where majority of people are not Christian, even within a network where you probably don't have a whole lot of believers, there's something in us that realizes there's something bigger than us. There, there's something there. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know, but <clears throat> I, I need something bigger because we can't do anything. The, the medical doctors can only go so far. I, 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 need, I need a power. Oh, if it's that, oh, we pray. There's just something in us. The Bible says that which is known about God is evident within us. He's made it known that there's something there. There's something bigger. And they called out. And it was fantastic. But see, here's the problem for a lot of people. They want the power of God. God who can heal a heart. God who can put together a marriage. God who can set a person free from addiction. God who can take people who are so depressed and so lonely and so pessimistic and turn them around. <clears throat> who wouldn't want that? <clears throat> but a lot of people don't want his providence. They want the power without the providence. What do I mean? Is that, that they want all that God can give them, but they don't want God's rule over their life. And you can't have both. You can't have God's power without his providence. God wants to lead your life. He wants to call the shots. He wants, he wants, he wants to be God and wants you to be a follower. That, that's how it works. That's how you tap into it. I want freedom, they say. I want to be free. I'm my own person. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I, I want to be free. Man. I don't want nobody to tell me what to do, and I'll take a little bit of God, but I, I want to call the shots in my life. I'm free. No, you aren't. I said that before. You're like the monkey in India, you that have that attitude. What do you mean? Yeah, they, they trap monkeys over there. You've heard the illustration before. Get a rock wall, drill a hole in there just big enough so the little monkey can put his hand in open-handed. He can put it in there, and then once it's in there, he, he, can, he can open his hand and grab the fruit that they put in there. And then once he grabs the fruit, he tries to bring his hand out. It's too big now. All he'd have to do to be free is just open, drop that fruit. Just drop it and slide your hand out. But he won't. Why? Because he, he wants it. He's greedy. I want this. This is what I want. I, 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 don't tell me I can't have it. I want it. It tastes good. It feels good. I want it. <clears throat> and that's how a lot of people live. I'm free as their hand is stuck in the hole. 
I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Come, my life's not working. I'm free. All this hurts, but I'm free. No, you aren't. True freedom begins, as these people found out, when you call out to God for deliverance. When you call out, say, God, I, I, I need you. I can't do it on my own. Now, it's one thing to be free and get free, but staying free is equally important. And, and here's what I found personally and, and as a pastor over these years. The role of the church is really key in you staying free. In Vegas, the Vegas church, a few years ago, we kind of talked about what is our purpose? What, what do we want people to know? What is Valley Vegas all about? You know, what is their role? What do we want for them? And, and we came up with something that kind of fits my personality. I'm kind of a simple guy. In fact, I, I, I think I've shared this with you before. Probably you here, you fit in one or two categories when it comes to restaurants. You're either a cheesecake factory person. How many of you ever need a cheesecake factory before? Yeah. When you go there, they'll, they'll drop a menu down, and it's like an encyclopedia. Boom. That's, that menu's just thick. I mean, they got food from every part of the world there. My wife gets so overwhelmed with it, she says, I, I can't. Just order it. Just get me something. What do you want? I don't care. I just can't look at it. Just get me something. It's overwhelming. You can go to Italy. You can go to China. You can go to America. You can go to Mexico. It's got all the food groups there. I don't like that either. To me, I'm a, more of an in-and-out guy. What do they got there? Hey, what do you guys got here? We got cheeseburgers. You want, you want cheese on it or not? You want it one patty, you want two. You want it on a bun or you want it lettuce? And by the way, if you go to In-N-Out, eat a hamburger with a bun, would you? <laughs> if you want to stay home, be healthy, fine. But don't do that at In-N-Out. You're missing out on one of the great experiences that life has to offer. We came up with this In-N-Out model of, of what we want our church to be, what we are asking the people to commit to. And we called it the ABCs. How much simpler can you get than ABCs? I mean, it's, isn't that the basic starting point? And, and here's, here's what we did. We, we give the acronym ABCs. The A stood for attend church regularly. We told people, we believe that, that if you will attend church on a regular basis, Sundays, I believe Wednesdays, whenever the church doors are open, if you can be here, be here. We think that's really going to be good for you. We think that's a great way for you to really grow in your faith. And so uh, we understand, yeah, you got to work sometimes. We understand you got vacations, kids got sports. But as a rule, church is your top priority on Sunday, and I'd encourage you to come on Wednesday. I think if you'll make that that priority, I think it's going to really help you to stay free. The B stands for belong to a small group. We, I think it's so important that you get connected with other believers. Now, a small group can be anything from your classic 8 to 12 people where you sit around Bible study, but it can be a, a women's ministry meeting. It can be a men's gathering. It could be a social thing. Just get around other believers. Form friendships. And that is so strong for you. I, th I think if you're not doing that, I think you're really missing out on what the church can offer you. And then the third one, C, is commit to serve in a ministry. Volunteer. I told our church in Vegas before, and I, I think I'll say it to you too, you need to volunteer more than we need you to volunteer. This church, the church in Vegas, we're going to function. We're going to get her done. But 
you need to volunteer. You say, why? Because it connects you to the church. It gives you a reason not to play hooky on Sunday because somebody needs you there. It, it allows you to form friendships. I'm, my personal opinion is I think you form friendships easier volunteering in a ministry than you do in a small group. Because when you start a small group, you've got to know somebody first before you go there. When you volunteer, that's where you get a chance to meet people. And for some of you, like me, you need Christian friends. That's the, that's the thing that's causing you to keep slipping up. Two things that helped me in that two-year period of, of dedication, fall away, dedication, fall away, in my first two years of the Lord, two things that helped me. One, had to cut off the old crew. When I finally cut off the old crew and, and, and didn't get around the, those tempting friends, boom, that, that helped me get over the hump. Secondly is I got involved at this church, Valley Bible Fellowship. I got involved. I began to volunteer. I began to meet people. People that enjoyed the things I do. They like to hunt. They like to fish. They like sports. All the things that I like to do. All of a sudden, now I had a new group of people that I could do those things with versus the old friends where it ends up being just a great big party. And so you need to, to be a part. We'll give you a chance here today. Uh, you probably saw coming in. We got a bunch of tables out there for the Connect Sunday. The standard that we have in Vegas, I don't know what they have here, but we told the people there, here's the expectation. We understand it's not going to happen with everybody, but if you come here, we're expecting you to attend service regularly. We're expecting you to get into a small group, to, to get to know other people, not just come and you know, come in late and sit in the back and leave early. That, that, that's not the expectation that we have for you, and we expect you to help here, to volunteer. Yes, we need you, but you need us more. You need, you need us more than we need you. So, so... We want people to feel a little bit uncomfortable if they're not doing those things. We don't want them just to settle into to that. We want them to be an active part. That's what we want, I think, for you as well. Here's the second must do if you want to be free. We must trust the process of the Lord. How he frees us is going to be different than what we think he might do. You have to get that. Moses and the Hebrews coming out of Egypt quickly learned the truth of Proverbs 16, 9, that the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You can think and plan, but it always has to be open to the, the rule of the Lord, the, the, the tweaking of God's plan for your life. Moses thought he knew it. Oh, here's what I'm supposed to do, and he sprang into action without having all the information. We see that in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up. See, remember Moses was left out to die in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter brought him in, raised him, but he never lost his Hebrew nationality. He always identified as a Hebrew, not as an Egyptian. And I believe that even before that call out in the wilderness where God appeared to him in a burning bush, I think Moses had this inkling like, I'm supposed to do something for my people. I see how they're being treated. I, I, I think I'm supposed to do something. I think he had that going on in him. When Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. Anybody looking? And boom, killed that Egyptian that was beating up his people and hit him in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? In other words, hey, man, hey, we're, we're brothers. What, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be fighting each other. But he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? 
Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. He says, oh, man. And that's what caused him to run out in the wilderness and go away. He got ahead of God. God had put it in his heart. Hey, you're going to deliver my people. But it wasn't time. The process wasn't the one that Moses thought it was going to be. And when that happens, we make a mess of things. Oh, we have to be, get used to wait for the Lord. Also, too, <clears throat> sometimes God will keep us in tough trials. He'll keep us in difficult situations. He'll keep us in places of want. Places where you don't have enough, you think. Places where it looks like <clears throat> the future is not real bright. And you wonder, what is going on here? This surely can't be where God wants me. And oftentimes it is. You say, why? Because just like God wanted to introduce himself to the Hebrews who had not really worshipped him for 430 years, God wants to take you out of the world, bring you into his kingdom, and he wants to begin to show you who he is, how he provides, how he works, what he's like. And how he does that is through difficult circumstances oftentimes. These people, when they were in that tough place, begin to blame Moses for their increased labor. Moses went to Pharaoh before they were actually released and said, hey, let, let God's people go. They want to go worship three days' journey outside, the, uh, outside of Egypt. And he said, no, you're just, you're just lazy and they're lazy. In fact, you know what, Moses, the Pharaoh said, I'm going to make the people work harder. And now he made them work harder, made them gather their own straw to make the bricks. They used to provide the straw. Now they had to provide their own straw. And all of a sudden the people came to Moses and said this in Exodus 5.20. And when he saw one of them being, and when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. They said to him, may the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious, which means hated, in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. They turned on Moses. You're no deliverer. If you are a deliverer, you're a deliverer of bad news because, man, ever since you came, our life has gotten harder deliver and what they didn't realize is that God was wanting the people to get so sick and tired of being sick and tired so tired so worn out so just saying I am done I'm over this treatment that when they actually were released that they would go they would have the courage to go saying what do we got to lose if I get killed leaving here it surely can't be any worse than how I'm living right now Oftentimes, God will allow us to hit rock bottom, knowing that it, sometimes it takes rock bottom before we're open to change, before we're open to do things God's way. Maybe some of you, God is, is, is trying to get you to get to the end of yourself, so you'll throw your hands out, you'll call out to God for deliverance so he can work in your life, because right now, you're still holding on. You're still not letting go. We also need to be reminded that God not only does he have different ways of doing things, he has a different process. How, how he does things are, is different. The timing's different. Oh, surely God will do it now. And sometimes the Lord says, no, it's not time yet. I, I need to do some things before this happens. 2 Peter 3, 8, great verse. But don't let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. And to the Lord a thousand years, it's no different than one day. You've heard that joke been around the church forever. 
guy asked the Lord one time in prayer, he said, hey, Lord, what is a, what's a million years like to you? And the Lord said, man, it's just like a second to me. I thought about it. He says, well, Lord, what's, what's a million dollars like to you? He goes, it's just like a penny to me. I thought about it, get a big smile on his face and said, Lord, he goes, can I have a penny? <laughs> Lord said, sure, just give me a second. <laughs> not only did God not deliver them in the time frame that they thought, but he didn't lead them out the way that they assumed that he would. It should have only taken, it, it, if they want the direct route, in fact, I got a map to show you couple different ways it could have gone. See that green arrow starting at Succoth up there, top left? Succoth there. That green line is, is the straightest shot to the promised land in those days. Two or three days is all. Just a straight shot right along the coast. Be like Highway 1 in California taking it up. But the Lord didn't take him that way. He took him another way. Look, look how he took him. He took him the red line there. He took him down. You say, why, why didn't he take them directly in the easiest, shortest route possible. The reason being, as that said in the scripture, that along the way were the Philistines. The Philistines. Who were the Philistines? They, they were the inventors of iron warfare. Spears, knives, arrows. The Hebrews had not been trained for war. They were slaves for 430 years. They would have got their clocks cleaned. Couldn't have fought back. And the Lord says, hey, you're, you're not ready for that yet. So, so I'm going to take you a different way. It's going to be a longer way, but it'll be the safest way. You're, you're not ready yet. Yeah, sure, but, but you're, I need to teach you how to fight. I need to teach you to trust in me. I need to teach you to depend upon me. And he took him down. Look how he took him. He took him down there. There's the Red Sea they crossed. Remember Moses? Oh, he did staff in the Red Sea. Then they went into the wilderness there. That, well, that's a nasty wilderness over there. How many of you have been to Las Vegas? In the outskirts of Vegas, it looks a lot like the land down there. Nothing. Volcanic rock, just nothing. Yet God was saying, I want to show you that, that even though your circumstances look like nothing, if you have me, you'll have everything. And you remember what he did? What did he do? How did he feed them? Manna. Manna in the morning, manna in the evening. Banana manna shakes. Had all kinds, just manna, water out of a rock, quail that would just come into the camp. I want to go hunting with the Lord. He just sent quail right into the camp. Didn't have to even look for him. Just miracles. God saying, see, don't look around. If you got me, you got all you need. That's what I want. That's the point I want to get across to you, Hebrews. If you have me, you have all you need. Don't, don't look around at, at everything and what you have, what you don't have. If you have me, you got all you need. I'll take care of you. That's who I am. Took them 10 to 14 days. It should have only taken. But of course, they stayed there 40 years. Why? Because of their unbelief. Maybe the difficult time you're going through right now is from God. Maybe God has brought you into a wilderness, a place that is scary, a place where it doesn't seem there's a whole lot going on, Maybe you're in a place where you're short on stuff. Maybe you're in a very difficult place. Maybe you're right where God wants you. Why? Because he wants to show you that if you will look to me, if you look to me, I have everything that you're looking for. I have everything that you need. 
I have everything that you need. The third must do, and the last one, we must take steps of faith. If we're going to be free, it always requires a step of faith. It always does. It never does not require a step of faith. It's a principle. The Red Sea, Moses had to step out there and wave the staff and it parted. There's another situation we read about later on about Joshua. Followed after Moses about first steps. Joshua 3, 12 and 13. Now then take for yourselves 12 men, the Lord's talking to Joshua, from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Here's the picture. They get all the way through. Joshua's leading them now. They're right on the cusp of getting into the land that God promised, right at the Jordan River, just opposite Jericho. And all they have to do is just cross over that Jordan River. But the problem was it was in the spring. The Jordan River looked like the Kern River this year after all that water, all that that just crazy water was coming down. How were they going to get across the Jordan River when it's rushing, when they had animals and they had children and they had wives? There's no way they can get across it. And so what God told Joshua to tell the priest, it says, grab the ark, which is symbolic of the presence of the Lord, and I want you to step out in it, priest. You step out in it. And when you step out in it, risking you being swept away, risking you drowning, when you step out into the Jordan, by your act of faith, the waters will be cut off. Now, i got to be honest with you. If I'm a priest... I might want to have a little sidebar with the Lord. Say, hey, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, God, but would you mind stopping the water first? <laughs> then I'll step out there. Could we, can we do it that way? But, but that's not how God works. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so he was saying, priest, hey, you take that heavy gold-plated little box called the Ark of the Covenant and you step out there, all 12 of you, unstable, on rocks. We, we've stood in the, I've stood in the Jordan River, very rocky. You step out there, and when you do, the waters will be cut off and the people can cross. And they did it. They did it. It, it, it took some first steppers to step out to see God move. And here's another principle that I want to, from the same story that I want to give you, that's going to help you step out so you can be free. Verse 16 of Joshua 3 is very insightful. Maybe you've never seen this in your reading of this story. Verse 16 of Joshua 3 says, The waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam. That was the name of the city. The city that is beside Zarethan and those which were flowing down. The water was cut off at Adam. Well, where is Adam in relation to where they crossed over Jericho? 19 miles upstream. The water was cut off 19 miles upstream so they could cross over. What does that tell me? That tells me that God is working way ahead and way upstream of my situation. 
If he asks me to step out, that means he's already been doing some stuff ahead of me. He's already moved some people around. He's already got provision in place. He's already got dry land for me. I just need to step out. He's done all the heavy lifting. I just got to step out. That's what that tells me. Today, there are many people here. I say many, I'm not saying majority, I'm saying there are many people here that need to be free. You're caught up into an addiction, you're caught up into a depression, you're caught up into anxiety, worry, you're caught up into anger, uh, it, it's, it's destroying your life, it's destroying your marriage, your relationship with your kids, it's, it's, it's taking your health away from you, you have like zero joy in your life, you're even wondering why did I become a Christian, things aren't all that much better. and. God doesn't want you to live that way. Again, part of the heritage of a child of God is your freedom. He wants you to be free, but you must be willing to step out. Be a first stepper. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that here today. I'm going to invite you in a moment. If you are caught up into something, something has its hooks in you, I'm going to invite you to come up and you're going to stand up here and I'm going to say a prayer over you. You say, why are you calling me up? Because the Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. The scripture also says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's going to take humility for you to come up and let everybody else see that, that something's got a hold of you. To let everybody else see that you're not altogether like you're trying to portray to maybe others. And so it's going to take humility. But if you want to be free, the only way is you've got to take the first step. And so let me just pray this. Bow your heads if you would. Father, I pray, Lord, for those here who need to be free, God. Prayer team, I'm going to ask all the prayer team come up and be ready to greet these people. Father, just begin to move upon the, this congregation here. Oh, show people, Lord, that this Sunday is for them. Th this is a divine Sunday for them. You orchestrated this. You ordered this service. This is their time. This is their time. This is their time to step out. This is the time to end the insanity of how they're living. If that's you, if that's you, if you, if you know, say, I, I, need, I just need to be honest. I need to be prayed over. I'm, I'm going to pray over you. Then these people will be here to pray with you if you need to, but I'm going to pray over you as a group. If you're ready to be free, if you're ready to take that first step, I'm going to ask you to step forward right now. Step forward. Begin to come up. Just come up and just line up here. Just come up and line up in front of people. Just come up. Just come up. Come up. If you, if you, if you can't do it here, there's no promise of tomorrow. It's, I'm not trying to scare you, but we don't, we don't have a promise of tomorrow. What we have is today. We, 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 there's no promise of tomorrow. That's why the Bible says, today if you hear my voice. We can do something about it today. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Today is the day. Today is the day. If you're here and you're sitting out there and your hands are sweating and your heart's beating and your stomach's in a, that's the Holy Spirit saying, you're supposed to be up here. Come on up. Come up. Don't worry about what people, come on up. Don't miss out. Do not miss out on this. Do not miss out. This, this is life changing. I did this 45 years ago, not in this building, 
the old boys club, Monterey King, where Valley Bible used to be. I did the same thing. Came up, came up with some stuff for my wife, but it was broken. The hooks were removed. The freedom came. Some of you, most of you, are going to be free today. You're going to be free of something today. You're going to be free. I want everybody else out there just begin to pray for these people. As I pray this, Father, I pray for these folks that are up here right now. God, it takes, it takes humility, God. Some of them might feel embarrassed. Some of them might feel ashamed. Some of them might feel just really awkward. They've never done anything like this in church before. Oh, Lord, but God, just honor, Lord. Honor their willingness, God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray freedom for these people. I want you that have come up here, I want you just to begin to confess your sin to the Lord. Just kind of quietly, just say, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for doing this, God. I apologize. I know this is wrong. God, please forgive me. Lord, this is wrong. Just just begin to confess your sin. Begin to acknowledge what, what has his hooks in you. Just begin to acknowledge it. Just begin to tell God, God, I'm sorry. I want to stop this. I don't want to do this anymore. God, help me, God. Just begin to confess your sin. Father, as these people are confessing their sin, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that the hold of sin be broken on their life, God. Break sin, break sin, break sin, break sin, break sin. Freedom, God. Lord, send freedom to them right now. Freedom, freedom come to this. Break the bonds, break the holds, break the grip that the enemy has, Lord. Set them free, God, right now. <clears throat> come inside of them. Begin. To, people that are being prayed for, just say, Jesus, come inside of me. I give you my life, God. I don't want just the power of God. I want your providence. I want you to lead me. I want to surrender to you. I want to follow you. I give my life to you, God. I'm tired of living for myself. Just, just begin to talk to him that way. Begin to tell him that. You don't have to do it loud, but just begin to tell him that. I want you, God. I need you. I'm willing to do it your way now, God. Oh, Father, break holds, break holds, break holds, break holds, break holds right now. In Jesus' name, God, break the power of sin. Break those bondages. Freedom, God, right now. Freedom, freedom, God. Freedom to these people, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. You can look up. I want you to keep praying for these people. We're, we're dismissed. These people up here, if you need prayer, you that came up here, these people are here to pray with you if you need it. God bless you. Walk out in freedom. Walk out. Make the changes that you need to make. God will show you what you do. But walk out in freedom, okay? Hey, God bless you. Always good to be here. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Make sure you stop by the uh, Connect out at the tables out in the foyer, okay? God bless you. Take care. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our